Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Bill Koch here in the Providence Journal Podcast Studios. Uh, I'm here with my co-conspirator, Eric Rube, and we are going to talk high school basketball uh, for the next half hour, 45 minutes, really as long as we feel like going on. Uh, we're going to preview the boys and girls state tournaments. Um, you know, it's our pleasure to do this. It's the best time of the year in March, uh, whether you're a high school kid, college kid, um, or just a fan of the game. These these games mean so much in terms of stakes. Um, you'll probably play in front of the most students, the most fans that you play in front of all year. Uh, it just makes it a lot of fun. Eric, I know that you know, this is a time of year that you look forward to as well. Yeah, it's one of those weird times where I, I'm miserable going to work because I'm like, oh, God, i got to cover four games in a row. But as soon as the games start, I don't even care. It's just fun to watch. And some of the stuff I've gotten to see this last week has been pretty cool. It's it, it's any other job. You show up, complain about it. But in the end, it's, I mean, this, I have the best job in the world, so I ain't mad. And, you know, congratulations to Eric. Obviously, uh, recent news, he's been brought on here at the Journal full-time. Uh, it is well-deserved. Uh, now, full time basically means that you can apply for benefits and that we can abuse you 24-7 instead of, you know, maybe 14-7, correct? Yeah, I'm basically still going to be, it's, nothing's going to change, still going to try to work hard. Don't try, don't try to work hard, <laughs> just do it. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, obviously we, we should lead this off the top with uh, whether or not these games are going to get played. And, and I know that's a big discussion right now with coronavirus. Uh, you know, we hope that everyone who's listening, your friends, your family, uh, that everyone is healthy and, and safe and taking the proper precautions. Uh, Eric, I know the league is meeting with uh, principals and, and athletic directors, you know, really throughout this week, uh, talking about whether or not these states tournament games are going to be played as of right now from what we know uh, the games are on uh, there are several college conference tournaments that are continuing and that are on uh, so we anticipate these being played in some way whether they're with fans without fans uh, at neutral sites maybe at home sites but um, you know, just your general thoughts on you know the viability of this the the reality of attempting to play these games with something like coronavirus going on it's a scary proposition and i understand a lot of the concern just you know you know when you're a parent you're worried about your kids you don't want to put them in any unnecessary risk and it's something i've learned and then on the other hand i kind of understand a little bit about the with, with this coronavirus and what it is hearing it from my wife who's in the healthcare profession so i want to see the games played but but the league i think is doing a really good job and i'm not one to sit here and and hurrah the league at you know at a notice but i think they're doing a good job kind of balancing it you have to listen to it this isn't a league decision i think that's what people don't understand it's not down to the league it's not their decision they're getting this information from the health department hearing what the member schools have to say and that's how they're going to make this call and everyone's going to complain about the league if they do something but you people don't realize it's actually not them they're just they're kind of managing everything taking everything in and and ultimately if schools don't want to play 
if the governor says no, you can't play, then the leagues they've got no control. It's not like they're this this giant body that can just be like we do whatever we want. That's not how it works. Um, you know, obviously this weekend and and the next weekend uh, as you go to the Ryan Center, you you could run into some logistical problems here um, with some of the colleges shutting down their venues. Uh, you know, obviously the girls' quarterfinals are scheduled to be played at Rhode Island College. The boys' quarterfinals are scheduled to be played at CCRI Warwick. If those venues become unavailable for some reason, uh, the league is going to have to scramble to try to find sites for four games each, um, which is why I think that maybe, you know, I ran into Tom Mezzanotti, the, the outgoing executive director of the Interscholastic League, uh, at a hockey game on Tuesday night, and we were discussing the biggest high school gyms in the state, uh, you know, because if they have to move these games to non-college sites, you know, where can you accommodate that sort of crowd move eight teams in and out over the course of eight hours. Um, you know, some of the ones that popped up to mind, Woonsocket, Coventry, uh, North Kingstown, uh, LaSalle. You know, I know you had a few mm. others as well. The, the issue, I think, with a lot of the schools, these bigger gyms are in these areas that are not as easily accessible as, say, a Rick or a CCRI, and that's kind of that's right. probably one of the logistical issues. When Sock's got a huge gym, Westerly's huge, but you know, if you're from South County, that's not an ideal place to go up to Woonsocket, and vice versa. If you're that's right. if you're up north, you don't want to go down to Westerly. But it, at this point, it kind of is what it is. They're going to take what they can get if if it comes to that. And I know talking, it's you know, I've talked to some people, and they said that it, it may come down to the league if they have these schools hosting these tournaments. You know, it might be an online ticket sale where right. you get your tickets. If you get them, you're in. If you don't, you don't. Because some of these gyms have only have you know x amount of seats, and they're not gonna you're not gonna bring the fire marshal in to shut the thing down. You're you're you have right. a thousand seats. You get a thousand. You don't get any more people in that building, and that's how it's gonna be. You know, it could we could see a restriction to to parents to essential personnel. I, I mean, it's important to notice that we're just kind of yeah. This it, is all speculation. It's almost it's almost one thirty on Wednesday, and we're kind of in the middle of it as of right now when we're talking. Everything is on, so we're good. And we just got, I mean, basically, everyone's just got to keep their fingers crossed, kind of hope for the best, because ultimately, we do want to see these games played. Yeah, we're, we're trying to give you an idea of, of maybe some of the discussions that are going on behind the scenes, and you know, maybe what the league is thinking, what the administrators are thinking, uh, what the schools are thinking, uh, you know, because obviously, it is, you know, as Eric said, he's a father of two girls. Um, it is important. It's it's most important to consider what's best for the kids in in something like this. So. Yeah, I just I just hope a lot of you know I hope when parents make these decisions too, and and I ha- I don't have this as much because my kids are little, but when you get to the high school age, I think it's important for parents to discuss this with their kids and say, mm. you know, this is why I don't think we should be we should play. Why I, I wouldn't want you to play. And just so that way the kids can get that perspective from the parents, and the parents can hear what their kids have to say. Because I'm, I'm sure every single kid that's still alive in these tournaments, they want to be out there. They don't care. They want to go play. Well, I won't speak for you, but when I was 17, I was bulletproof and invisible, and I was playing. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I didn't care what was going on. I wanted to play. Uh, you know, if I had to miss school that day, if I was sick, if I was hurt, whatever, I wanted to go out there. Uh, especially at this time of year, uh, you know, the state tournament, and I think you know from a 
just from a pure entertainment point of view, I really feel like this is one of the marquee events of the Interscholastic League throughout the calendar year. I, I look at the basketball state tournament, and I see it as a place where, whether you're in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, we find out truly who the best of the best are because they're on the floor with each other. There's no sort of straw man argument that you might have in a given year after the Super Bowls where you might have a really good Division Two or Division Three team who would say, I think we could have given the Division One team a shot this year. We had a couple athletes who were special or a couple college players or whatever it might be. The, the unique thing about basketball is that you play the entire regular season, the PowerPoints get tallied, and you put the men and the women out there on the floor and they decide it themselves. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it. It's you know, again, this is Wednesday last night in the the preliminary round of this thing. Blackstone Valley Prep beat One Socket. That's a good One Socket team. Blackstone Valley. That's the first time a D three has beaten a D one in the state tournament. And and again, like you said, this is. I love football. I'm a big football guy. Mm-hmm. But this event is just it's it's and I don't know if it's as stupid as the brackets. I just think if you see brackets, you're like, I need to fill those out. I need to figure out what's right. going to happen. Let's go, and it it makes it more fun. And you know, we saw Hendrick get beat last year as a, against Cumberland, who was seated 16th against the one. And and for years, it seemed like the the chalk always kind of fell through. But now I I find that especially with a lot of kids going prep. You're starting to see it's almost like the NCAA tournament where those mid majors that can compete with the big boys. It's we're starting to get it now, and with the parity that's kind of in there with D two and D three, there some of those big teams can come up, and some of those teams have players that could you know we we could see some surprises. There have been moments along the way I think that have legitimized this format. Uh, obviously, Tiverton making it to the Ryan Center very early on uh, when they started this tournament. Uh, I think in North Smithfield when they were undefeated in Division three, played all the way into the semifinals at the Ryan Center gave a really good classical team a run for their money uh, in a game there. Uh, I look at North Providence when they upset Cranston West uh, in a quarterfinal, a Cranston West team that had won Division One. Um, you know, and then last year, obviously, you referenced Cumberland was a Division One team, obviously not a typical sixteen, but still that upset of Hendrickson was news. And in they had, every to, they had to play the a playing game to get into that thing. That's they had right. to, and they barely. I think it was a buzzer beater. They beat East Providence on or East Providence and hit free throws at the end of that game. Like, it, a free throw here, a free throw there. Maybe East Providence wins that game. Hendrickson wins, goes on to win, win the tournament. Instead, right. Cumberland pulls the upset of all upsets. And they end Tor- up at the Ryan Center. Yeah, it's that's why this tournament's great, because something like that could happen. And, you, you know, you want to say, oh, Hendrickson's going to make it again. But I'll tell you what, Jamal Thomas ain't telling his boys that. Jamal Gomes. Jamal Gomes. Gomes. I'm sorry, Jamal Thomas. Jamal former, Thomas, the yeah. former friar. Jamal Gomes is telling his kids, we need to win. Because remember what happened last year. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe you you sort of mash two, two names together there because Jamal Gomes' best player this year is Sebastian Thomas, uh, who I think is probably... If you're looking long term, he's probably the best prospect in the league right now in terms of where he could end up in Division One. Uh, you know, Erickson Bands, for my money, is the best player in the league. He'll be at Bryant next year. Uh, I think Sebastian Thomas is early enough in his career uh, where he could end up at a higher level than the NEC. Uh, I look at the summer that he had with Rhode Island Elite, uh, which is a, a burgeoning. You know, strong grassroots program in the state, um, and you could sort of see his development happening, uh, and you could see that he was set up for a big year. Uh, and I think you know, you saw at the end of the Division One game against North Kingstown, which 
was a really good game that came down the stretch. Uh, you know, the difference that he made there. Well, he, he decided he was going to win that game. Yes. And he gets to the basket just about as good as anyone I've seen. And he knows how to take control. He never plays outside of his means, though. And he's not, he's a scorer, but he doesn't look to shoot. He's not overshooting. He's, you know, I, when I talked to him after the game, he said, I'm a passer. I want to be a passer. Right. And he's a very, he's an unbelievable passer. But in crunch time, you know, and in, in kudos to Jeff Coyne from North Kingstown because everyone on Hendrick said that kid's an unbelievable defender, and he is. Right. Jeff Coyne did an unbelievable job on the, one of the last plays when Hendrick was, or North Kingstown was still leading. A shot went up because Coyne wasn't letting Thomas shoot. A backside rebound happened, and that's how Thomas got open. Right. And when he was open, and every the two, I talked to David Lynch after, and he said, "Oh, we knew it was in. Yeah. He, he wasn't going to miss a wide open shot like that." Right. And that's it. Shows you what kind of player this kid is. Sebastian's unbelievable with the ball, and if you leave him open, he's going to score. And I mean, as far as the first round matchup goes, I, I don't know what Tolman does against him, but. It, if you can stop him, maybe that works. Uh, Jeff Corian also he can't guard the foul line, and Thomas went nine for nine on his free throws, yeah. which you that, know, that's, ice cold, cold blooded. He knows how to get himself to the line. That's right. And uh, if that's what the really good scorers in the state, if you kind of look at the guys who are getting, you know, seventeen, nineteen, twenty plus, he's a twenty three nine this yeah, year. Yeah, they're all getting to the free throw line, right. and they're making their free throws, and that's the difference between the good and the elite. You know, so that's your one sixteen game. Hendrickson against Tolman. Um, you know, Tolman beat Rodgers in a playing game uh, on Tuesday night. Um, you know, I don't necessarily foresee Hendrickson getting upset for a second year in a row. I, I, I definitely think that they're on a mission. Yeah, and it's. I think the one thing that helped Cumberland last year was that they had Jackson Zankin. And if you're if you're a low seed and you want yes. to beat a single digit, you need to have that one legitimate college player. Yeah, you need a kid who's top five in the state. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's no disrespect to Tolman because they've got some very good players. I say Prince has been great. Martin Lopes has been great this year, among others. Um, but I I just don't team basketball. I think when you're a lower seed, doesn't necessarily play when you're trying to beat someone who's in an, uh, an upper division on you. Right. You need a guy to go crazy, you know, maybe score 30, 35 points, dominate the glass, something along those lines. Uh, the two seed, the defending champions, North Kingstown, uh, as we mentioned, they lost the Division One title game to Hendrickson. They will open up with Blackstone Valley Prep, who, you know, as you alluded to, is one of the best stories uh, in the state, the Mayoral Academy uh, in the northern part of the state. Um, you know, just maybe a, a thought on... You know something that we mentioned off the top: how this tournament affords the opportunity for the little guy to play the big guy. I mean, this is one of the smallest guys against one of the best programs in the state. Well, the best part for Blackstone Valley Prep, like everyone's like, oh, these these underdogs have there's pressure on them. To, there's no pressure on this team. If they lose, no. whatever, we went down fighting. That's right. If you win, you're a hero for the rest of your life. You have nothing to remember. And I'll tell you what, like. Yeah, I haven't done my my full bracket predictions yet or filled it out, but like I, North Kingstown's unbelievable. You don't get to the Division One final by accident. Blackstone Valley Prep has pieces in place. I got to see him against Mount Hope. Xavier Mendez is probably the best passing big man I've seen, where he he can shoot underneath, take care of business in the paint, but he's always looking to see, find that cutter who's passing. They've got a couple shooters. Mm. It's. North Kingstown's one of their weaknesses. They're not great down low. They don't have size that they did last year. Yeah, they missed Dylan Poirier for sure. And Blackstone Valley Prep has a little bit of size. They've got some shooters. And, you know, you 
you bottle that up for 40 minutes on a magical night or 32 minutes magical night like I don't know <laughs> no you, you give odds that Aaron Thomas would have his kids prepared I, I would I, I think North Kingstown's going to win and I would predict North Kingstown's going to win but if the pride somehow put it together that game's going to be closer than I think most people think it's going to be nobody walks by anybody in this tournament we set it off the top but uh, you know 100% you need to be on upset alert at all times uh, you know going back over to the Hendrickson side the 8-9 game it, it is strange to see Cranston West in Division 2 for me as somebody who started doing this a long time ago uh, you know they were obviously fighting in Division 1 for a long time it is wonderful to see them back in the state tournament uh, they are the 9 seed they will go to West Westerly. Uh, this was a regular season game that was a blowout, 82 60. Uh, Mike Gleason's 200th win with the Bulldogs. Uh, I would imagine this one would be a little tighter. I think it's going to be closer. Um, having gone to Westerly for the first time, much to the delight of the folks down Westerly. Great home that's, atmosphere. There. That's a tough gym to play. Very in. tough. And I can see why teams going down there don't like going down there because it's, it's not a great place to play if you're a road team. You know, those the fans kind of get on top of you quick, and it gets loud, and it can kind of compound. I think these two teams are matched up. They're, they're pretty similar in the styles that they play, mm. where they have that one kind of big-name shooter and some great secondary pieces, and they got some they got some tough football players doing all the dirty work for them, too. So it's... It, I mean, I, I, this is going to be an ugly game, but in an ugly, beautiful type way. <laughs> yeah, you figure that Westerly will, will out-ugly Cranston West there and that I, I like Chaz Morgan's a very unselfish scorer and mm. leader for that team, and Jawari Hamlin has started to make take those leaps and bounds into being like he's ready to take over that team when Morgan leaves. Uh, when I saw Pat Pat Murphy is probably <laughs> I mean his mid range jump shot is ridiculous in the age of where no one shoots from fifteen feet anymore and right. he just takes fifteen footers and buries them. So they've kinda got pieces, but I mean Jared Olson it for the Falcons is he's a scorer. It's it's funny that you mentioned him. I was going to say Cranston West has a bunch of guys who won't be afraid of the big moment. A lot of guys there who played in the Little League World Series. Jared Olson was one of those guys. And they've got some football kids too. And I and you know it's it's this is where being a two three sport athlete I think helps because you mm-hmm. if you've played in big games in other sports those moments you, you don't let them overwhelm you. You kind of get into them calm and you go and. An eight nine game is supposed to be good, and I think this is going to be a good one. I'm not going to offer a prediction yet because I kind of got to sit down with everything, but this that'll be a fun one. Also, a good one on the four thirteen line there, Portsmouth against Shea, two of the most explosive guards in the state. Uh, obviously, we mentioned it before. Erickson Bands is is just wonderful. Average thirty a game this year, and even he's so 30. good. He's <laughs> just so just scary. He against Westerly in the in, in the D two playoff game. Westerly threw a press on him, and he just he broke it by himself. Through just dribbled through four guys. Well, didn't I mean there were guys open, but he was he he wanted to draw the foul because he's going to make his free throws because mm-hmm. he gets thirty a game. Mm-hmm. He can do it all, and there's you know there's no one in the state who can cover him man to man. And Ben Hurd's a great player, but no one's stopping. Erickson bands by themselves. The the other guard in that matchup, obviously Ben Hurd. Uh, you know, two guys who play at a high level grassroots basketball. They both play for Expressions Elite. Uh, you know, Ben Hurd and Portsmouth won easily. Well, not easily. I shouldn't say that. They beat Shea in the regular season, seventy sixty five. Hurd had thirty points in that game. That game was at at Portsmouth. Which is where this one will be played, and that's helpful because Portsmouth coming off a Division two championship as well, and. As we mentioned about gyms off the top of the podcast, 
you couldn't imagine two more different home gyms yeah. than Shea and Portsmouth. Creature comforts are going to favor the Patriots. Here. If you're in a big gym, Portsmouth's comfortable. It's When you get into those small, tight environments, that's where Shea kind of just eats you up. Playing in the cage. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's. Yes, I went there for the filming game last year when bands went off for a million, and it was the most. It was one of the most intense environments I've seen for a game. The five twelve game on that and, side. And I should say quickly, please. For Division Two, you win the D two title, you earn the four seed, and this is your reward. <laughs> you get to play. You get Jay to play. You get to play the best player in the state. That's right. And try to beat him when that's he right. is clearly not happy about how the division tournament went on. No. Nope. So that's going to be again. Portsmouth, probably the favorite. Don't be surprised if that's an upset. No, no question. Uh, you know, the five twelve game on that side, LaSalle and Johnston. Uh, you know, an interesting matchup. You've got LaSalle has a lot of kids from Johnston in that school. Uh, you know, so you would imagine that this would be sort of a natural rivalry. It, it's the same thing when LaSalle plays the Cranston schools, I think. Uh, Johnston... A live dog. You've got six guys on that roster who've made at least 17 three-pointers. Four guys who've made at least 24. Can they spread LaSalle out and make some shots? No. <laughs> no. And I and I love and the there boy, you have it. I love the boys from Johnson. Um, got to know him just a little bit, talking to him uh, after you know seeing Tommy Zednick play football, talk to Hunter Remington, seeing those kids play, and they're a great Division three team, a Division two team. They might. I have this obsession with LaSalle at this point with the players and pieces that they have. And I know they lost a tough game to East Providence, mm-hmm. my townies. They were up 19 and they lost that game. Yeah. But that's a young team and that's a learning moment for them. That's right. And I just, and for Johnson to win this game, they would have to shoot the absolute lights out. Zednick. With his size and scoring ability inside, they Lasalle can match up a little bit with Liam Woolley. He's he's a he's a big offensive li- or big offensive defensive lineman, right. football player kid, whose only job is to get rebounds and play defense. Right. He's not trying to score a million, but he will handle that underneath, which is fine. And Jake, I don't know if Johnson has anyone that can match up with Jake Bender. Hunter Remington did a great job on Octavio Brito in the D three final, but. But Bender's a different kind of player. Right. That's that's a tough matchup for Johnston. They they could have drawn a much better opponent than that game. Uh, LaSalle's obviously very talented, and, and that'll be tough. Uh, I think maybe my favorite game in the first round is probably the 7-10 game, Barrington against Smithfield. Um, you know, I see two, two teams here with a great skill, uh, good experience. Barrington obviously was uh, you know a team that... You know, they they had a big upset last year in the state tournament. Uh, you know, obviously coming right out and uh, winning their first round game. And and I know uh, you know a lot of those guys are back. You look at guys like Will Rywalt, Ryan Bono. Uh, that's a good roster. You're you're playing against Smithfield Division One team. They've been up there for a long time. Matt LaSalandra, their best player, made 122 free throws this year, which seems because to be a lot because he scores 20 plus a night. That's right. <laughs> because he's a very good player. That's right. They've got a three headed monster. Sir Smithfield, if you're Barrington, you were just runner-up of the Division Two tournament. Right here, you go. Right. You get a Division One team. I don't know, might be the fifth number five Division One team. They're just kind of one of those teams that they're they've been there. They they play tough. They beat Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. I mean, given it was at Smithfield, they beat Mount Pleasant. They've hung with NK. Yep. <laughs> I can't imagine Barrington was like, oh yeah, we get to play this team. That's right. That's like right. it's it, it, the Barrington teams. I, I like the Barrington team a lot, and I I think they'll win this game, but 
but I could also see Smithfield running, beating, winning, beating NK and finding themselves in the final four. And and this the interesting part, you know, if you're NK and, and you're on that two line, you don't love seeing Barrington and Smithfield in the seven ten game. They're no, it's a it's a horrific bracket. Many other teams that you would rather just because Barrington Barrington plays like you do. Right. They've got a little bit more size. They spread it out and shoot it. Yeah, and they, they play defense, which is also huge. And right. then you get Smithfield, who knows you. Right. Who's no who's played you tough for the last three years. That's right. And they've got the they've got that one piece that we used to talk about with his double digit guys. With Matt Laslandre, maybe he goes for thirty five and carries him. Right. Twenty one point one a game, so he's certainly capable of throwing Absolutely. thirty out there. Uh the three fourteen game Mount Pleasant against East Greenwich. You've got polar opposites here from the standpoint that Mount Pleasant had six guys, average seven and a half points or more. East Greenwich has Jack McMullen at seventeen point one and no one else is above eight point three. Uh so I can write the defensive game plan for Charlie Holiday right now. I'm no basketball coach, but stop Jack McMullen and let the rest get theirs. And you, you kind of, the instinct is like, oh yeah, Mount Pleasant's going to cruise. But East Greenwich, <laughs> there's something about them. And they, we saw it last year where they yeah, the somehow Cinderella. got through the D2 team. That's right. And if you've got that, that mindset, the kids who were on that team last year that are back... They know we can we can play with anybody. It don't matter. We're going to be the underdogs everywhere we go. Why not win? And that's playing with strength, playing with that courage, man. That's that's a huge help. And, and Mount Pleasant should win this game, and they should win big. But if you go in thinking that, that's how that's how upsets happen. Yeah, you got uh, East Greenwich is used to playing a lot of games with no pressure on them. Just being the underdog last year, they were the Cinderella, the 10 seed in the Division II tournament, who ended up in the States. It's nice to see them back in the 16 this year. Uh, the last game in the first round, the 6-11 game. And we, and we got a bit of it's, it's breaking break, news. Breaking news that will be not breaking news because it's already been retweeted. Okay. <laughs> but, but according to Lincoln, no tickets will be sold at the door for this game. Okay. Um, they're going to be distributed to family members of players and coaches from both teams. So already we're seeing the effects of the coronavirus and, and kind of what we're doing to what schools want to do to counteract it. So that's going to mean if you're a fan and you don't have a ticket connection, you're going to have to, you're not going to be able to go to the game. We could see a secondary market in East Providence. Is that what you're saying I, I, here? I listen. A little high school basketball stub hub? I, it may, maybe. Would that I, be I, outstanding? Could you imagine that? <laughs> just go on stub hub and they're popping up tickets for a high school game for 20, 30 a pop. If you were somebody's brother, would you sell your ticket? I don't know. That's kind of rough. Would you do it? That's, that's a little bit. That's, <laughs> it's, would I do it? No. Like, if you were Richard Pena's brother, were you just like, <laughs> ah, I'll just sell my ticket? The thing I know about all those townies folks is, yeah, they're not giving it up. They, no. It, when it's playoff time, it's time to show up. And you shouldn't because you got one of the best players in the league coming to your gym in Octavio Brito from Lincoln. And this is one of those games where you say, well, if an upset's going to happen, how is it going to happen? And it's going to happen with Octavio Brito going off for 40 or 45. Right. The problem is, is that what's going to, I think what's ultimately going to cost Lincoln is that they go five deep. They don't got much of a bench, right. and when you're playing a D1 school, with even kids, you know, East Providence isn't loaded with, with depth. Now, before guys who average in double figures. And then you got two, three kids coming off to give them the appropriate spells. I think endurance is going to be an issue. Lincoln kids fought hard. They're going to fight hard in this game, but I just think ultimately that last eight minutes, last six minutes is going to be all East Providence, and, and I don't know if... 
I don't know if Lincoln has this. I don't think Lincoln has the size to match up with the townies. And I'll, I'll admit this right off the top. My bias is two of my favorite coaches in the state, uh, Joe Andrade, who's a fellow Pilgrim grad, uh, and Kent Crooks. It's great to see him back on the sidelines with Lincoln. Uh, was a prolific winner in the mid 2000s. Uh, there was an administrative issue there where he lost the job for a year, uh, wrongly in my mind, uh, and is back doing what he loves to do and doing it quite well. Uh, you know, it's no surprise that Lincoln is competitive. It's no surprise that he's able to develop players like uh, Octavio Brito, Octavio Brito, and you know the other guys who he has supporting him there. Uh, you know, so no shock to see those guys there. Uh, you know, as we said, the quarterfinals would be this weekend at CCRI Warwick. As of right now, um, give me a favorite and give me a sleeper. A favorite for the whole thing? Sure. I'm not going to say Hendrickson because that's boring. And everyone, I mean, let's be honest, Hendrickson's the favorite. But I... So you gave me a favorite. Good job. Yeah, but they're not... I know you hate following directions, but I do appreciate you at least giving me that. And I I promised LaSalle I wasn't going to pick him to win the state tournament. (laughs) But... Oh, boy. I really, really... I really think their team, they're in a, they're for them, they couldn't have asked for a better bracket. Yeah. I think they've got a first-round game they can win. And again, no offense to Portsmouth, but if your choices are matchup with a Division One team in a quarter or matchup with Division Two, you're going to take the Division Two regardless. Well, unless Shea wins that game. If you're LaSalle, you're not talking about seeing bands if he throws 50 I just there. think they've got a scorer in Bender. Right. They've got young supporting talent with Awa. And another kid whose name is currently escaping my head. But they've got the big with Woolley. They've got some bench pieces. And just everything seems to be put together where this is the kind of team that can get through this. They showed their youth and inexperience when they blew a 19-point lead. But is it going to happen twice? I don't think so. So I I think they're my dark horse. LaSalle. I... And I don't even know if you can call a five seed a dark horse. Like if we're really reaching, like like Barrington at seven isn't it, that isn't completely out of the question, right? Because they're they match up well with North Kingstown. They have the pieces, and you know they could I could see them get into the final four. You play, you know, Mount Pleasant who doesn't have a star, or you play East Providence who doesn't have a star, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the final, like. Not out of the question. I know. I know one thing. Smithfield is listening to this podcast, and your name is now Mud because you picked against them. Yeah, this I, this I is going to sh- be played in their locker room. I go in Smithfield every day to go <coughs> shopping. Everyone in Smithfield loves me, especially at the stop and shop. The, the other guy, uh, LaSalle, that you're missing is QB1, Nate Lucier. Oh, Nate Lucier. Oh, let me go on my Nate Lucier rant. Nate, you have a rant on Nate Lucier. Not, not a rant, but Good. Nate Lucier is, and again, like we talked about before, when you got a kid who's been successful at another sport who knows how to lead, yes, like when stuff goes really bad, maybe he's the one. I mean, the thing that got lost in that East Providence game, mm-hmm. it was a tie game. LaSalle needed to make a shot. Who made it? Nate Lucier. Nate Lucier made it. You know why? Because he's a leader. He's a football player. Basketball player number two. But he's the piece that I don't know if a lot of teams have that. Well, I where say, it's a kid who's like 
calm down, guys. I got this. I would say student above football player. He's going to the Ivy League. Yeah, he's like, he's I mean, he's just the perfect. Goodness. But he's the perfect high school basketball player. Size can shoot a little bit, and he's a leader. And I just in everything about LaSalle, I wanted to pick LaSalle, but I promised him I wouldn't. So on the podcast, I might, and then when I write it, I won't. <laughs> and then if they do win, I'm right. And if they don't, I'm right. So I can't lose. Okay. So we got Hendrickson as a favorite, Barrington as a possible dark horse. Uh, as you fig- as you might have figured out over the previous 20 minutes, varying opinions on all of these games, uh, and this is why this tournament for this format is fascinating. It's fun, especially when you can say things like, "I think this team could win. This they should win, but don't be surprised." And then you're never wrong. And then they lose in the first round. Yeah. And I, it's like, oh, see, I told you. If I can go, if I can never be wrong, that's always the goal. <laughs> But you have a wife and two girls, yeah, so you're I'm always, always wrong. wrong. That's right. Uh, okay, speaking of girls, we'll go to the girls' side now. Um, you know, the, the, I guess you could say the girls' side has been most directly uh, impacted by the coronavirus here. We have to talk about St. Ray's right off the top. A team that forfeited in the Division One tournament, did not play, has not it played. it cost them a seed. Has not played a game since it, February 24th. They would have been, if they... If they beat Barrington, they're guaranteed top three. Right. If they beat SK, they're guaranteed top two. The two seed, right. Instead, they have to forfeit, right. understandably, how everything worked. Yes. If And now all of a sudden, you're LaSalle. You're like, oh, great. We get to play this team that's on fire. And they're, they're in there. I mean, they're not. Well, no, maybe no. You're maybe not, ahead but the, the one and four matchup in the semifinal, like that's not what LaSalle signed up for to be when they were the one seed. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, Situate all of a sudden goes from they're the four. They were in that slotted for that four potential semifinal matchup, where they would have had to play NK. And now they get into this quadrant where they've got a tough. They're playing the Division One team in the first round, and then they're going to get a you know either a D two team they just beat in the semifinals, or in the D two final, or they get another D two team that also knows how they are, and it's coached by Sean Reddy, the best girls basketball coach in the state. Not really coached by Sean Reddy, but he has a lot of fingers in that team. Pseudo-coached and, and by George Reddy. Gary Martinelli will tell you the same thing. Right. No, there, there's no question. Uh, you know, this this has changed. It's changed the entire complexion of the tournament. Um, you're looking at St. Ray's. Obviously, we, we wish the best for everyone at St. Ray's. Uh, as far as we know, this has not affected anyone uh, with the girls' basketball program, whether it be coaching staff, uh, players, or, or anybody else. Um, you know, But we wish the best for uh, the school community there. Uh, this is obviously where we discuss... You know whether or not the game should be played. I know Tammy Drape wants to play. I know her kids want to play. I think they should be given the chance to play, and, and I and I think they will be. Um, you know, and, and this is a spot where you know they're the four seed. They're going to play Juanita Sanchez. Uh, you wonder what's going to happen, considering the fact that they haven't played a game in three weeks and haven't really practiced. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, and, and I'm also curious from the the Juanita Sanchez perspective. Like I, I know. A lot of schools are very hesitant about having to potentially play St. Rayfield, uh-huh. and it's just how it is. And it, again, it's, it's when I say the schools, it's a lot of the parents are telling the administrators, "I'm not so comfortable with this." Right. I, I, on Saturday, the plan right now is for me to be. At, I, I'm going to go to that game on Saturday night. Yep. Just to see, you know, I kind of want to get a reaction from the Juanita Sanchez. But I, I know the kids for that program at Juanita with the young kids they have. Don't get me wrong; I think they're going to get run oh. out. They're going to get run out of the gym. 
But they've got. But Savannah Barrios wants to play. They've got four underclassmen, sophomore freshmen that start on that team, and they're players. That's right. And this is an unbelievable opportunity for this team to see this is what it takes at D1. How can we get there? This is a great moment for them, and it's one of those where you hope the game gets played so that way. Next year, you see how Juanita react, how they how they learn from this and say, "Let's do that." Right. Because next year, that could be this game could be the difference between Juanita winning D two or not winning D two. No, no question. Uh, you know, it, for those who haven't seen them in a while, Say Rays is loaded, very good team. Uh, Amaya Dowdy is a double double threat any given night. Uh, we mentioned Tammy Drape earlier; she's one of the best coaches in the state. Tatum Forbes plays like Rajon Rondo with the Celtics when he was good, and it's awesome to watch. Uh, was about to get to the Forbes sisters, uh, Tatum Forbes, obviously uh, uh, the orchestrator there. Um, you know, when the bracket comes out and you're LaSalle and you're thinking, you know, Saints could be as high as a two seed, we wouldn't need to see them until the finals. Now you might see them in the semifinals. LaSalle, obviously the one seed on that side, but LaSalle got a worse bracket <laughs> than the number two seed did. And LaSalle comes into this tournament off a rare loss. Off a loss. And they get a Division One team in the first round, Johnson. which they they handled during the regular season. Johnson's coming in this game. They just won. They have nothing to they, nothing to lose. Nope. Might as well play them hard. Nope. You know, LaSalle's a little. You know, they're going to play with some fire and some intensity, but you'd probably rather kind of you know mop the floor with a D three team to open and then kind of go from there. But now you got to play. Like you can't slip up against Johnson because they've got scorers. Well, and that's what Johnson did against Barville in the preliminaries. Uh, took care of business pretty easily. Um, and, and it should be said that. And I think the one thing I want to get across to people. It, and we don't see it in Rhode Island. It's everyone's like, oh, you got beat in state. Every other state in the country, if you make it to state, that's as good as winning it. That's right. And I, I think for a team like Burrowville and for some of these other D3 teams that get in, that's the victory. Yes. Like, you get to play in this. And that's why – and I'm I'm still – I'm mildly annoyed. Give it to me. Mount Pleasant – I've been waiting for Mount them. Pleasant got screwed. They won – their division, and they did not get in the tournament, right, which so is give us garbage. A, a little more of the backstory for folks who don't know. Mount Pleasant won their Division Three tournament, and they didn't get in because they didn't have enough PowerPoints to get into the tournament. That's right. It is of my opinion that if you win your division tournament, you get, deserve an automatic buy. Right. I don't know where you where they seed that out, but I think if you're the 18th seed in, guess what? You're out. You're done. New team moves up. They took your spot. You know, and, and to draw a direct line to the NCAA tournament, if you win one of your conference tournaments, you are in the field and you do not have to go to Dayton for the first four. You are guaranteed a spot in the 64, not the 68. So what Eric is arguing here, and I agree with him, is that if you win a lower division tournament, whether it be Division Two or Division Three, because even Division One, like di- if something happened, like I'm, I'm saying that because in Division One, I, I can't necessarily see a four and fourteen team winning the tournament. I also think that if you had a nine and nine team that went on a run, they would have enough power points to get in. If Barrington, because they're not in the tournament, if Barrington would have won D one, they would be out. Okay. So it, it could have happened, but I, I agree. I think, you know, maybe that's, you, that's just in my head yeah, what I'm Maybe thinking. you slot the 14 seed or whatever the first non playing game thing is. Right. That's for your Division three. 13 could be for Division two. 12 for Division one. If, the, if, if, if they're, they're not, outside the field. Yes. Yes. Because Mount Pleasant, again, I don't think Mount Pleasant is beating any team that's in this bracket that's not Division three. But they should still. But they should have the opportunity yes. to play in this game. I agree. And with it, that. you know, if, so let's say they slide into 14. 
Which but, is East Greenwich. Yeah. But East Greenwich would have been bumped to they whatever. They slide down but, to 15. So Mount Pleasant plays situate. Mount Pleasant plays situate. Faces all this, these guards and athleticism they've never seen before. But they get to play in a game that they've never played before. And that's the kids right. who are underclassmen, again, with the idea of, oh, that's how much different this game is. And then you take that understanding and say, I want to do that, and you work on it for next year. Because Mount Pleasant's going to be a good team next year. And I think right. they got robbed of an opportunity. Yeah, this experience could have carried with them into the offseason and into the state tournament next year when, inevitably, I think we both agree that they're going to be in this field. They're going to win enough games in the regular season where they'll probably have enough power points to get into the sixth. They should because Francesca Contreras is ridiculously good. Right. So, leaving that aside, uh, you know, because we, we are going to petition the Interscholastic League for auto bids next year, of course. <laughs> um, you know, we go to the 8-9 game, which is Coventry and Wheeler. Uh, much like Cranston West on the boys' side, it is strange to see Coventry in Division II. Uh, it is also great to see them back in the field, uh, because Coventry has had pretty good girls' basketball team over the years. This is a fun matchup. I agree. And it's a Division Two, Division One matchup. Yes. But it but doesn't feel that way. No, because Wheeler is... You've got the huge public school against the small private school. Yes, which which gives it this weird kind of atmosphere, and you kind of don't know what you're getting into. Wheeler yes. doesn't run that deep. Coventry doesn't run that deep. Wheeler's got studs. Coventry's got studs. Yeah. I mean, Mancini and Keenan at Wheeler are, are an awesome combo guard. They've made 100 threes between them, Kate the, Keenan and Mia Mancini. It's to the point where... When they don't score, when they both don't score twenty, it's it's hard to believe because right. all they're going to do is press with those two. Jackie Felice gets involved. The light is as green as can be it's for just, the two of them. But they, but they it's it's most of their points come off the press and in transition because they're just going to run, 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 and it's right. amazing to see them run as much as they do because they're not that deep. Mm-hmm. Coventry's got Madison Dessert, and I don't know if it's Dessert or Desert or how she pronounces Madison it. Madison Dessert, but she scores twenty twenty five a game, and she's consistent with it. Right. They've got all these other little pieces there. That's going to be a great game. Yeah. Again, haven't done predictions yet. Don't know who. Kind of like Wheeler, just because I kind of like the the MMKK combination. Right. I've been doing MK with them all year on Twitter. <laughs> oh, jeez. Coventry, but Coventry could win that game. No, that that is your classic like NCA tournament eight nine game where it's going to be like, you know, if we were at uh, with our friends in Lincoln. Uh, we would have like this would be like a one point spread. Yeah, one and like, a half. I have no idea. Like that. No, like I no have, idea who would win. I could see this being a close game. Somebody could win by twenty. Total I coin just flip. Don't, it, it's this is, but this is what's fun about this tournament is nobody can tell you who's going to win that game. No question. The five uh, twelve game on that side, North Kingstown and Cumberland. What, uh, a, what a great match of this one. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot. There are a lot of uh, side plots to this one. Uh, you know, first we mentioned Jackson Sandcan earlier. Uh, his sister can play a little bit too. She scores so so many points. Yeah, and she can take over a game. That's and Madison Zancan, sixteen point eight a game this year. When you want to up, when you want to upset somebody, you need someone who can get you twenty a night. I'd imagine because Bob Simeone's no fool is going to do everything he can to stop her. <laughs> you, you've also got the coach to do it here. Uh, George Coderre has won a state title at Woonsocket. Uh, it didn't hurt that he had his daughter, Brooke, who was a terrific point guard who, who ended up playing at Franklin Pierce. Uh, but George has his son, Brett, uh, as his assistant coach. Brett was a terrific three-sport athlete at Woonsocket as well. North Kingstown's weakness is their youth. Yes. And they've got kids. They're a bunch of freshmen who can play. Mm-hmm. They've got a great senior leadership. The you it's this and you is, mentioned Bob Simeone, a good uh, coach in their own right. So they've got a lot of they they should win this game. 
should. It's not going to be an easy game. No. Uh, you know, we, we've drawn NCAA parallels. The typical 5-12 upset could play here, and nobody would be surprised. And again, it's a Division One versus Division Two. That's right. Although but, Cumberland was in Division One for a long time. Exactly. So, But everyone kind of looks at it. And initially, when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, Division One, Division One. That's tough. I'm like, oh, wait. Cumberland was Division Two this That's year. That's right. And But they're a very good Division Two team. That's right. The problem with Division Two this year is that everyone doesn't realize how good everybody else other than Situate and Classical is. But right. we'll get to them in a moment. Well, we're going to get to the number two seed in the Division One champions. Uh, that's we should, we're going to skip Juanita and St. Raphael? We already did that. I know. I just wanted to repeat. Okay, go I ahead. I really think St. Raphael is going to win the state tournament. So okay, we'll good. Good. Well, we were going to get to the favorite and the sleeper <laughs> later, but you, you're jumping ahead of me now. Uh, this has gone off the rails officially, but we're 43 minutes in. We could just keep going. The number two seed, the Division One champion, South Kingstown against Cherahoe. Uh, I thought you made really good points in your game story, South Kingston and LaSalle. Uh, this is a group of girls who now see themselves as winners and have that sort of confidence going forward. That started in the fall on the soccer field. There's no reason to think that they can't carry it onto the court and maybe all the way to the Ryan Center. And we keep we talked about it on the boys' side with kids who've had success in other sports. LaSalle and on the girls' side, Bayview to some part for, for many years, and Hendrick on the boys' side, that name it, it intimidates people. And I know a yes. lot of people say, oh, no, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. No, it does. It does. And the girls admitted to it. They knew. They were, for years, and I'm working when I worked down in South County, when you were down there, Yeah. They, there were some talented South Kingstown teams that should have won titles. Right. And they just couldn't get over LaSalle. They couldn't beat right. Bayview, and it wasn't because of talent or what they did. It was they just they would get caught up in the moment that this was it. They were finally going to do it, and then they would just panic. Right. This team did not. Do, I, I thought they were going to lose that game by twenty last night, and they they just found a way to get it done, which was really cool to see. And, and talking to Jamie and, and Hayden Hill, who both played on the soccer team. Yeah. The soccer has a lot to do with that. Sydney Vasterholm, Faith Hutcher, the whole Carlos team soccer Fulis. players. Yeah. And it's, but you, you have that confidence, and confidence goes a long way, especially in high school athletics. Yes. And I think once you realize, hey, we can beat that team, they're just like us, it changes the whole dynamic of everything, and I think that's going to carry SK. The issue is now is to not turn that confidence into overconfidence because, well, everyone's going to say LaSalle should win this game by 40, and they should. Kate Powers can put up 25-30 SK that. should win this game by 40. Yeah. And they should. But K Powers can score. Mm-hmm. Spencer Shields can score. That's I right. mean, they could get 60 by themselves. Right. And if that happens, this game's going to be a lot closer than South Kingstown wants it. Well, and the real question is, are you going to have a letdown? Because obviously you beat LaSalle. It's, it's a huge win. It's something that you're going to celebrate. Are you going to have a letdown? And if this is down in South Kingstown... Well, it seems like a home court advantage. Oh, no. That ain't far from Jarrah. The Superchargers will travel. Oh, they're going to show up. No it's question. going to be a game. The, the herd's going to be there. Uh, a couple notes on this one. Faith Hutchins was an All-Stater last year. She's the fifth leading scorer on this team. What about that kind of depth that they have right now? I, I think a lot of it, I think we've seen Jamie Hill turn from the sixth man on that team last year to a bona fide superstar. A potential leader, yeah. She's watching her play last night. When it was crunch time, she little, she took over. Little sister? 
Yes, uh, younger sister. And there from, we go. rumor has it there is a third Hill sister coming up who's uh-huh. going to be the best of the three. The, the Eric and I, for years, the backstory for folks who don't know, we have the younger sibling theory. Uh, this is probably my own insecurity because Mine I was too. a terrible <laughs> athlete and my brother was a stud. Uh, I was uh, the oldest and my younger sister was the best volleyball player around for yes. three years. So Annie, that was fun to watch. Annie Rube, who's an actual absolute beast. I, I do remember her. Uh, I was a mediocre baseball player got cut from the freshman team at Pilgrim. My brother went on to win a Division Three national championship at Eastern Connecticut. So if, if you're a younger sibling taking your beatings when you're younger, I'll tell you what, that's going to help you later on. Yeah, it's going to pay off in the future. Uh, you know, you could be Jay Rainville. Uh, Mike Rainville, in his own right, was a pro, had a great career. Jay Rainville was the 39th. And all, all you older draft. siblings, just keep working hard and doing the best with what you got. Right. That's all we can do. Now, all these examples could be cherry-picked, and we'll admit to that, but, uh, you know, in our minds, our therapists would, you know, sort of dig down to the roots of this and find this sort of ugliness in Eric and I. Yeah. Younger siblings just always seem to get it done. Uh, another thing I would say about SK Charo, South Kingstown is not good at the foul line. If that game gets tight at the end... Uh, if we're being 100% honest, no one in the state is good at from the foul line. Oh, that's fair. So, that's fair. I've seen some pretty atrocious numbers from, on free throws right. on the girls' side this year, and it's... Uh, I don't know if you can go to the hack-a-shack right away on with teams, but it might not be a bad strategy. You could put Jane Carr at the line. Uh, she's 17 for 20 on the year. No surprise, considering who her father is, that she is mentally tough. Yes. Uh, you know, that's SK tennis coach Andy Carr, who is one of the best in the state, regardless of sport. I would let him coach my life, honestly, and I think I'd be a lot healthier and Repet- a lot longer. Repetition, repetition, repetition with tennis, and I'm yes. sure she, was, she shot plenty of free throws in her backyard. No question. Uh, the 7-10 game, West Warwick and Portsmouth. What a great matchup this one is, too. This one, uh, you know, I have a few notes on this. The first, uh, Emily Kalichi, 60 made threes, the most in the field by any player. Uh, West Warwick, to me, is a really intriguing team. And I know you can break them down a little more. They're young. So this is the let's see how we are kind of game. This is the roll the dice. We're yeah. kind of playing for next year. If they, we're, we're way ahead of schedule. If team. they win this game, unbelievable. Great for them. Right. They lose this game. Okay, we had a nice we're going to grow. Kaylee Co- or <laughs> Kelly Lynn Coslin. Yes, she's got a, just a lot of letters there. Good for job. Me. That's tough. One. Co- Kelly she's Lynn she's a freshman. Mm-hmm. She's a big. She knows how to use her size, use her hands, and it, it's she's going to be an absolute superstar by the time she's done. Right. Kaylin Greenhall, who I'm just assuming is related to all the other West Warwick Greenhalls. Just assuming. Safe assumption. Yep. Yep. Another kid. Knows how to score. Yeah, Cody Greenhall sticks in mind there. Kayla Sadler. Another scorer. Tori Bird. Tori Bird. Scorer. Yeah. They've got pieces in place. They just don't have experience. Right. And this is a great game for their program and for where they're going to be going in the future. Portsmouth isn't that experienced either. And it, that matchup with these two teams, you know, West. Again, it's almost like the eight-nine game. I don't know who the favorite in this game is. I can pick. I can see either one of these teams winning this game. I think if West Warwick slows it down and gets it to the pace they want, they're going to be okay. You know, I'm actually surprised to see Portsmouth back in the state tournament, considering what they lost from last year. Uh, Lexi Greffin is one of the better shooters I've seen uh, on the girls' side in a while. Um, you know, Went berserk in their state tournament game against Barrington. Almost, almost single-handedly upset. beat the Eagles uh, all on her own. Uh, she came out the first half and was just on fire. Uh, you know, But Portsmouth... They have a slider. Well, 
<laughs> I was going to say, they are proving at this point that they weren't just a couple good teams. They're a good program. When you can get back to the state tournament year over year and you're doing it in Division One, that means that you're winning pretty consistently against good teams. It, it's a great community. They do a great job with, with all their, with their youth sports across the board. Mm. And it's why consistently they're playing in the higher divisions. They're, they're constantly winning. The kids, for the most part, stay at home. They just do a good job over there. It's a great school, great place to be, and the, the kids want to play, and they want to play for each other and for the town. There's, yes, I think in Rhode Island, there's a lot. There's not a lot of the community's been lost. I think in a lot of places, Portsmouth isn't one of those places where right. high school games matter. Still there, you can go to games, and there's people in the stands for them. The boys, I'll tell you what, I went. The boys show up for the girls' games. Girls show up for the boys' games, and it's nice when that happens. It creates an atmosphere. I mean, they're going on the road to West Work. It's going to be a little tough for them, right? But. It's it's admirable what the program's done, and like I said, for this game, they've got a swider, Courtney younger, swider, younger swider. Yep, we know younger than Cole, younger than Kylie. So she's very she's a big up and comer, right? I mean, so it's you know she's she's contributing now. I think she's coming off the bench for him, but she does a great job, and and that's the kind of player they need to step up if they want to win this game. I, I think what you see in Portsmouth, and and this is you know sort of outside the sports realm, but it still applies. You're isolated on Aquinnick Island, so you're away sort of from the private schools. You know, it's it's a long commute to LaSalle. It'd, it'd be a little shorter to go to Bayview, but not the most convenient places to go to. Uh, the other thing is, I would say Portsmouth now is probably what Rogers was in the 70s and in the 80s. Uh, if you look at Newport as a community, it's not a big middle class there anymore. Uh, it seems to be your split between people who are struggling a little bit by financially and people who are really well off financially. And and so you alternate between the folks who are struggling go to Rogers or can't afford the real estate in the town and they move out. The folks who are really well off might send their kids to private school, whether it's Portsmouth Abbey or St. George's or somewhere else that it may be. And, and you look at the declining enrollment in Rogers and you look at the enrollment in Portsmouth and you just think that a lot of those folks who maybe grew up going to Rogers now live in Portsmouth or in Middletown, and I think that's why I you've think, seen athletics do well in those two communities. And I think a lot of the people who are who are there for you know for their uh, military, military commitments, commitments, I think yes. a lot of people more navigating toward. I think they used to live in Newport, yeah, and now, now they they live in Jamestown or yeah. in North Kingstown, or they live in Portsmouth or Middletown. I, I think that's definitely something that we see. Uh, that's enough of uh, today's, you know, sort of news tangent, <laughs> I guess, uh, because I'm going to get into an area where I'm completely unqualified, and that's not going to be good. Uh, the six eleven game, classical and Ponagansett. That's uh, my, my Ponagansett. Chieftains. I, your chieftains. <laughs> uh, Eric lives out in God's country. For folks who don't know, uh, this, you know, I actually think North Kingstown and Cumberland. This. Game classical and Ponagansett. I will flip a coin. One of those is my favorite first round matchup. This game, either one. This game's going to be fun. Yes, and it's again. You know, Gary Martinelli's done a great job. Yeah, former Division One assistant, and he's, he's on the women's side. And being a part of the community and being in the youth scene right now, it's it's got a great youth basketball program where there's a lot of kids in Foster and Gloucester coming together. Disclaimer. Eric is a coach in that youth basketball program and I'm, has a kid in it. Yeah, I'm pretty much the best coach, too, so that's great. <laughs> How'd the team do? No, we, we did all right. We got better. Bad players. Good coaching, but bad we, players. Yeah, my right? kids stink. No, she scored, my daughter scored a basket in our final game, and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. But anyway, yes. But when Reddy left LaSalle, Sean Reddy, they're longtime correct. friends. Yes. Brought him on. 
asked him, said if you want to, you want to, and he's well, real, recognize real. Yeah, he. I, I mean, let's be serious. But Sean showed up, kind of hesitant at first, and understandably so. It's a tough situation. And he kind of got into the program slowly, mm-hmm. not wanting to step on toes. And then I think Gary kind of let him go and let him do his thing. Because if you haven't seen Sean Reddy work, he's the way he coaches basketball is the way you're supposed to. I think personally for me, I think it's the way you're supposed to coach. He puts his kids in the best position to win. Right. But he understands. He wants. He expects perfection out of them. And I got to see Pontiacanza play situate. Um, in the regular season, and you could see his fingerprints all over this team, and they were running, trying to run stuff that LaSalle did. Right, kids are young, new system. They weren't, they're not, they weren't good enough for it. Right, they were still learning. Now, as the season's gone on, they've picked up the system. Yep, and they're the pressure defense, the guard-driven offense, and just when there's a press, it's pass-pass layup. Right, but now and now they're making these plays. Uh, they had an injury late in the season with Julia Castel- Castelli, just a freshman, right. unbelievable player who's going to be a star. Um, her injury kind of threw things off a little bit. Yep. Um, they suffered. A, it was a bad loss to Juanita Sanchez, who ran him out of the gym, beat him by like fifty. Oh uh, yeah, eighty-two thirty-seven, yeah, which was like one of the most surprising games of the year. But he's got this team believing, and he's got this program in place now. And Classical's a really good team. They've got the strongest kids I've ever seen. The strongest girls I've ever seen play. Strongest boys. Anyone. They're the strongest kids I've ever seen play. Yep. Where they they go to rip the ball out of your hand like a cornerback would at a wide receiver. Right. And they take it. Because yep. no one can. They're just. Lenai Sylvia's stronger than everyone. Janiah Price stronger than everyone. And they don't have size, but they have the strength. Right. And they have the speed. They have a Division One future Division One guard in Nina Carlin. Right. And they seem to have the pieces where they're like, oh, they should win this game handily. But Ponting Answers, they're, they're playing with house money in this one. Because this game is for, ne- again, this game is for next year. Right. Because with the youth they have, they're going to be a terrific team next year. And uh, Classical should roll, but I I don't know. It's it's an interesting contrast in styles. you got Ponting Answers had seven players make double-digit threes this year. Classical had one. Carlin. They made 47 as a team. She made 38 of them. Classical is going to try to bully Ponagansett. Yep. And I don't know if the Chieftains are ready for it. And that might that's cost right. me a couple foul calls next year. No, no. With my with these kids. who Because these girls ref my that's, games. That's kind of where I was going with this. But the strength and size and experience Classical has is huge in this game. Right. Because ultimately, if they need to slow it down and play... Bully ball where they're just attacking the basket, going to the basket. I don't know if Ponting Ansett has enough in the arsenal to, to withstand that. No, if you're Ponting Ansett, you should try to turn this into a track meet. Their quarterfinal against Coventry was a 79-70 loss. If it's in, if it gets above, if it gets above 65, Ponting Ansett's going to win this game. That's right. Uh, you know, classical needs to make this physical, needs to make it ugly. Uh, if they can, you know, as you said, much stronger, older, should win the game that way. I, I would think. Uh, the last quarterfinal game, uh, quarterfinal, round of 16 game, Situate and East Greenwich. Uh, Eric, I know you have thoughts on Situate. I, I really want to pick Situate to win the whole thing. Yes. Because I could see I could see Situate beating every team in this bracket when they play the way they played the last eight minutes of the D2 game. Yep. Or even most of the first half of that D2 final where they're controlling the pace they're running on all wheels. Maddie Madbury's playing like 
name your favorite point guard in the world who can pass or shoot, do whatever she wants. Another very talented multi-sport athlete. She's she's probably the most fun player in the state to watch because you know she she does stuff that drives Frank Kaiser a little crazy every now and then, throwing like between the leg passes when it's unnecessary. The gift it always does. Oh, uh, she and she took a couple shots where she could you could tell the momentum was on Situate's side, and she was trying to bring Rhode Island. She's trying to bring the Murray Center to its knees. She's going for the kill Just, shot. I'm going to take a 30-footer, and if it falls, everyone's going to go nuts. Right. And it didn't go. That's but right. She, whatever. And, but that's how she plays. And when she's in, when she plays that way, almost that out-of-control, in-control style, and she plays within the game, they're the most fun team in the state to watch, and no one's going to stop them. Right. East Greenwich, their strengths are guards. Yep. Alex Mega's superstar in the making. Skylar Sullivan, she scored 35, I think, a couple in a game, and she can go for 30 on any night. Skylar Sullivan, the most efficient player in the state from what I found. All we talk about now in the pace and space era is you want to score at the rim, from the line, and from three. She had 301 points this year. 211 were on free throws or threes. <laughs> it's about as good as you can do. But it, and, again, and this is that if you're a D2 team, you don't want to play a D1. Not at all. Especially not East Greenwich is one of those D1 teams that they're not... They had trouble competing with the elite D1s, but they can beat everybody else. And if you're situate, you look and you say, well, it's not North Kingstown. And it's not South Kingstown. And it's not LaSalle. And it's not Barrington. It's just East Greenwich. But they, and that's, what's gonna, that's what could cost them. That's right. Is they need to go in this game. It's not that super named Division One team that's been at the Ryan Center every year. What I think is going to be a huge help... Games in situate. The gym holds about 50 people. They have a stage like. at the end, don't they? Oh, that stage has been closed off. All right. So that's, I'll tell you what, I, I don't say, know. I've been there. I don't know how they're going to do tickets or whatever or what they're going to do because this place, I, I saw it at max capacity when they were playing Ponagansett, a smaller school, when they were playing classical, who doesn't, who barely travels. Right. I don't know how they're going to fit people in this gym because East Granite's travels pretty good. That's right. I don't know where they're going to put people. That's right. Because this gym is incredibly small and in that compact, tense environment, is EG going to be able to handle it when, you know, when Situate starts turning their press into turnover, 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 and you know, three, four, five turn into a twelve, fourteen possession stretch where you haven't scored, you haven't, you've taken three shots and you're down twenty. Or do they get the benefit of limited ticketing here? because of the coronavirus, family and friends, and whatever else. And you might play this game in front of a quarter of the crowd that you would but have expected. I, I don't know when the last time you've been to Situate. If it's just family and friends, it's still going to be it's still going to be a sold-out right. sold gym. Right. So Situate is the three seed. Uh, East Greenwich, the 14. Uh, let's see if I'm looking over this correctly. Uh, oh, no, would, Johnson, Johnston played their way in. And if okay. Situate and I was going to say, East Greenwich was the last Division One team yeah. to make the field without a playing game. If Situate and Classical win, and again, you're the three seed. You won D2, you got the break of St. Rayfield, dropping to four. Now you're the three seed. Sweet. Going to be an easy ride to the final four. Nope. Nope. You, you play get, the rematch of the play D2 a, final. Division One team. Right. Then you get to play your rival, who right. beat you last year in the semifinals. Correct. Who... You know, you took care of them and the final, but now they're mad. And, you know, that's not a great road for Situate, especially, you know, for the prognosticator over here who's like, they're going to they're gonna do good. Then let's play the chalk out all the way to the semifinals. You're playing South Kingstown in what's a home game at the Ryan Center. Yeah, they did play earlier this season. They played in a non-league game. The only loss for Situate. And it was like, I think it was like a four-point game with a minute left. Uh, wound it was, up being 57-46 all the way back on December 18th. It was a close game. Right. 
two teams have been are different than they were now and then, but mm-hmm. it's if you're situated, it's it's not the easiest road, but it's a road, and I I don't know. I think they I think they'd rather be there than as the four, which they were originally slated for. But who knows? You st- you got to play them all. You got to play them all. You need to win all the games. You know, and and like we said off the top, that's the great thing about this format. There's no hiding. There's no straw man argument. There's no, well, if we were in Division One, we would have beat this team this year, that year, whatever. Give me a favorite. Give me a sleeper on the girls' side. That's tough. <laughs> I'm picking. Saint Rafael's is my favorite. Okay. Amaya Dowdy's. Unstoppable. Super. She's, there's no. I don't think there's a center in the. There's a big. There's not a big in the state that has her ability to go inside outside. Well, I, what I really like about her game is just I. I love, I love her footwork. She's so quick. She's able to sort of get in the lane and get out of the lane. She gets great position inside. I think she's just. She's one of the most versatile players that but I've seen in terms of a big. She's not a big who demands the ball either. She will. The offense runs through her, and she's able to play. When you can pass, I mean, she can play low post, when you high can, post. When you can pass matter. out of the high post, it's fun to watch. Super, and player. she gets it around. They've got a couple shooters. I, I just love everything they've got. And the scariest part about this team is, I think that they only had one senior. Yeah, right. That's right. They are, and they've still got young. one senior, and they're going to come back, and yeah. they're going to be the favorites next year. Yeah, I, I picked them to win Division One. Yep. They didn't win Division One because of all this stuff going they get on. To play right. I'm. I'm. Tammy's going to be so mad, but I'm going to pick them again because <laughs> I think they're the favorite. They're the favorite to win this tournament. I know Lasalle can't be happy seeing them. Not that. Sure. Not that playing SK in a potential Final Four is, would be easy. Or I'm not. No, they would have been matched up with Situate. Right. But that's a better matchup for Lasalle than playing St. Rays. No question. So that's going to be. I mean, if the chalk does play out, you, you just the only question is is. Is this time off going to hurt them? Because That's they right. haven't played in a month. No, the the first two games are going to be really important for them to sort of build momentum. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a huge test to see. Uh, you know, Sanchez, you're fortunate that you're catching, as you said, a younger team in that first game. They're going to beat Sanchez in the second half of that game, right? Because Sanchez, they only play five, and the that's kids, right. those kids work as hard as anybody in the state, but. It's really hard to play competitive basketball if, if, if they, you only got five. If they do end up winning the whole thing, the second game could end up being the hardest game for them because you're playing North Kingstown or Cumberland. LaSalle's going to take that as a shot. <laughs> well, you know, for, just from the standpoint that you might not be in rhythm yet. Yeah. You might not have your legs under you because they're going to have to play back-to-back days, St. Ray's. Yeah. They're scheduled to play Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, so that's... That's going to be a big test for them, too. You wonder how much they're going to have in the tank uh, for that quarterfinal game. Uh, give me a sleeper on the girls' side. I mean, situate. And, and, and they're, they're a three, three seed. They're a three seed, but, but because they're Division because two, Because they're Division two, that's and right. And it's, it's their style of play. I agree. And they play fast, and they're going to press you into the ground. And if their biggest issues are turning the ball over because they do it far too much, and if they can shoot. And when they shoot as well as they did, I mean, they, they're going to take a million threes. And they're okay with that. Julie Olsen can hit them. She, I think she's a sophomore player. Absolute player. Right. Maddie Barryberry gets hot, starts running the offense. And once this team, I, I don't know if I've seen a team play with more confidence, play better with more confidence than them. Because once it goes with them, you can just see it. And they're just like, yeah. whatever they want to do, they're going to do. And again, LaSalle, 
is, can LaSalle be a sleeper as the one seed? They Sort of. This LaSalle team isn't what LaSalle teams have been where they have one star and it's like, all right, we can just rely on her when we need her. Because well, Damien DeCesare carried that team last there's, year. There's not one star, and you're going into this without the coach, who you did so much winning with before. Yeah, and that's not to slight what's there now in terms of players, in terms of staff, in terms of whatever. But when you get into the state tournament, it is a very different venue, a very different sort of spotlight. I really liked what I saw from Aria to Nobile. Yeah, she's a good player. She has swagger. And yep. I love boy side, girl side, don't matter. If you play with that little bit of an edge, a little bit of cockiness, mm-hmm. it little, that cockiness <laughs> exudes confidence. And when you can play like that, she's the kind of kid where I could see her be like, oh, they don't. Oh, look, the Providence Journal doesn't think I'm going to win. Watch me hit 10 threes every game. Doesn't hurt that she can shoot it a little bit. And she gave me awesome hurt. She wears her hair in this high bun. And I was like, how does it stay like that? Because <laughs> I'm always, as a dad, I just see girls' hair. And I'm like, how do you, like, I can't, I can do ponytails, pigtails. And I'm just calm. But Your but, French braid skills are, are improving. They're getting better. I think that's, that's probably but, fair I, to I say. I think LaSalle, you know, they're the number one. I think everyone's going to expect them to get to the final four with ease. Right. But they're not the overwhelming favorite as they've been in the past. That's right. Again, we're, now we're not, I'm not even talking about South Kingstown. Right. And they just got the win. I mean, are they going to be like, oh, that's okay. We just No, they're going to keep playing, and they want to win this thing. I just think... I think St. Rayfields is the favorite, and had they played out the Division One tournament, I think we'd be talking about them as Division One champs. Right, they'd be the two seed and the favorite in this tournament, and I that would probably have changed how I feel about Situate. But I still think Situate's in a spot where, when things go right for them, I think they're better than anybody because right. their style—they play faster than every single team, and playing at that speed. Do you want Do you want to play at that speed, and how do you slow them down? LaSalle matches up with them where they, they, they're they both going to play similar styles and I think Sitchwood does it a little bit better. SK's advantage is going to be their size. Right. But I don't think SK wants to run like that. And if you play St. Raphael in the final, that's where the magic happens. Anything can happen in that game. And I think St. Raphael's a better team but if it's a St. Ray's Sitchwood final, I think Sitchwood can just get the pace going and on that bigger court, their offense opens up. Right. And Medbury said it. She's like, I don't really think about it, but yeah, there's more spacing to work, and and that's when they're that's when they're good. They, the the small gym, great home court advantage, but the big gym, man, their offense is fun. Makes a big difference, uh, folks. We've gone almost seventy minutes here, and and what you should have learned in that time is, first, we don't know anything. No, <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen, who's going to win. Uh, you know, all of this means nothing in terms of predictions, in terms of what team is going to do what and what matchup is going to be what. Uh, the games that we think are great could end up being 25-point games. The games that we glossed over could end up being free throws or buzzer beaters or whatever. That's what makes this fun. And that's and that's what the one thing, and I hope that people don't misconstrue like how I come off talking about all this stuff like I genuinely this isn't I don't fake this like this is how I am I just for me this is fun all these tournaments all these games talking about this and you know this is genuine conversation we're having about this because right. I can sit I could sit down at a bar stool and talk about games all day right. and people go oh you really like high school sports that much I'm like yeah it's fun like it is at the end of the line and I know it's tough you know, kids are going to lose games, and it's going to feel like the end of the world. Trust me, I've been there. I remember when I was a senior playing tennis. We lost our state, we lost our semifinal, and it was like the worst moment of my life at that point. Mm. But as years gone on, you're like, yeah, it would have been nice to win, but I'm okay with it. Although, I mean, then on my 10 year anniversary, we were talking, or 20, <laughs> whatever it was, 20, 20 years. 20 year reunion. We were talking about our uh, yeah. how we should have won that year, but but you get over those losses, 
and you realize how much fun it was just to play and take part in all this. And I hope that people realize that that's kind of the message we're pushing. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about this and trying to talk about these kids like they're pros a little bit and give them that little bit of, you know, that, that rush now. But in the end, man, just have fun with this. Right. That's what this is about. You know, which was going to lead into my second point. We have a genuine passion for this. Eric obviously does. Uh, I haven't done as much high school stuff this year, uh, but I know a lot of folks come up to me and they say, you know, do you enjoy covering URI or the Red Sox more than the high schools? And my answer is always no. I enjoy seeing things that are intense that are well played, that people actually care about. Um, you know, put me in a Red Sox game in April when it's 15 to 10 and it's 38 degrees. Nobody likes that. That's dreadful. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. Uh, you're watching you or I play against, you know, whoever it might be, someone at the bottom of their league or, or some non-conference game where they win by 30. Um, and yeah, some of the some of the plays included in a game can be entertaining and whatever else. But a lot of times you're going to find a high school quarterfinal game or a, a, a championship game uh, in Division Two or Division Three that is going to be full house and people are going to be going back and forth and the kids are going to be giving everything, you know, diving for loose balls, making big shots, making plays that they've never made before. Uh, you see kids who you might have watched as freshmen or sophomores and all of a sudden they're seniors and they're all grown up and they're the leaders uh, and they're the ones directing their teammates and they have the ball in their hands in the big spots. That's the great part about covering high school sports is the passion there the sense of community there and the fact that really you get to see kids grow up over four years and you know that's why we wanted to do this that's why we did a podcast before the Super Bowls as well Um, you know we just wanted to sort of raise some awareness for this get folks out there go to the games if you can if it's safe if if your communities if your school administrators will allow you to and support the kids who are your neighbors and that's the thing like in, in, you know if it's safe and you're comfortable i brought my you know my daughter's uh, youth team played at halftime at Pontagans at senior night and my kids were you know my daughter was actually involved like watching the game and her and her friends were cheering it on and that might not seem like a, a lot, like oh, so like, but I know to those kids that were playing on the court that day, it was a big deal to have them cheering and poor Exeter West Greenwich scoring right in front of my kids, and they're going no, no, and it was, it was funny. But get your kids involved and students. If you're, these are your friends, these are your classmates. Go out and support them. Show up. Do silly chants. Don't don't be personal. I want to see someone replace my all-state student section from Pilgrim because the beans chant that the Pilgrim boys do at the uh, girls' games is hilarious. My Patriots. Good and job, I, guys. I don't understand the origin of it. I just know this kid starts chanting beans every time kids are at free throw lines, and it makes me laugh because I'm a child. But it, show up. Chant for your team. Come up with songs. Go back and forth with the student section from the other team. Keep it clean. Keep it fun. That's what this is about. Just this is the best time, best tournament of the year is to go watch and go be involved in it. All right. So for updates, uh, follow Eric Eric Rube R U E B on Twitter. Uh, he will have updates on games if they are moved, if they are canceled, if they are postponed, whatever it may be. Uh, otherwise, we both plan to be out. Thursday night uh, at sites. We'll probably do double headers, yeah? You would think? I'm covering so many. I, there, I, my family knows they're not going to see me for a while. No, I just, there, there are a couple boys and girls teams who are both hosting games. So we'll probably end up at those sites. There'll be a couple. I don't know. North Kingstown and LaSalle, I think, jump to mind. I'm 
I haven't even thought of that far yet. <laughs> I just know that tomorrow's my last day. No, today's my day off. Yes. And I'm here. And we're here. Today's my day off. I'm here. And then tomorrow, <clears throat> the fun starts. Uh, so we are very much looking forward to this. Uh, we hope you folks follow along. Uh, I'll be headed to Brooklyn with URI for the A-10 tournament. Depending on how that turns out, uh, I could be back Sunday for some state tournament duty. Uh, depending on the Rams NCAA chances, I could be around next weekend for a little bit of Ryan Center duty. Uh, but very much looking forward to this. I know Eric is as well. If you've made it this far on the podcast, thank you all very much. And uh, you know, maybe we'll do this again before the Final Four is next weekend. I'm not gonna have anything to do during the week, so why, why not? It's gonna be a beautiful thing. All right, folks. Thank you very much. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.